Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hardis, and today we continue our Fantasy Files series with a look at, hey, let's find some freaking alpha target hogs today, people. I know in fantasy, you know, I've been ramming this kind of point home over the past, we've been over here a year now, over the past year, we can use that uh, diction there. Over the past year, I've been ramming in the fact that we want to chase volume in fantasy football. Now, I understand that's not necessarily the only thing to look for. We still want to look at players as well, but we just see time and time again volume does win out in situations where it's extreme like we just don't see running backs getting 300 plus touches and busting maybe relative to their adp but we still see them you know coming through as an rb1 rb2 at worst and the same thing is true at wide receiver and you know i'll just use all these numbers are fairly arbitrary in our line of business, but we'll say 150 magic number, 150 targets since 2010, we've had 65 wide receivers get at least 150 targets in a season. Their average finish has been as the PPR wide receiver, six 59 to 65, which is 91% finish as top 12 wide receivers. The only three of this group, again, 65 wide receivers, only three of them failed to finish as a top 24 PPR wide receiver, 2012 Larry Fitzgerald, 2016 DeAndre Hopkins and 2016 Allen Robinson. And we can thank the likes of John Skelton, Kevin Kolb, Ryan Lindley, Brian Hoyer, Brock Osweiler, Tom Savage, and even Blake Bortles for that. So there is an exception here and there. Generally, though, if we can find someone that's getting the overwhelming majority of their passing game volume, they're going to be putting up big numbers. So with that in mind, I wanted to look at who can we maybe expect to not necessarily join this club, but like who should be in a position to maybe post similarly really high target totals because they're the undisputed target hog of their offense. So going to PFS fantasy football projections for this. And the first thing to note, the 150 number, it's so high. Like you just can't really project guys for that amount. It's why we see, you know, passing touchdown totals uh, for PFFs quarterbacks, you know, in the low thirties or the high twenties. And when we think maybe they can get 40, maybe they can, but that's in the upper end of their outcomes. Medium projections aren't necessarily there to, you know, go out on a limb for guys who want to more or less kind of set their, again, their median range of outcomes, what we can expect to happen uh, more times than not out of a hundred. So with that in mind, the only guys projected to clear even 140 targets are Devontae Adams. DeAndre Hopkins and Calvin Ridley don't think there's any disagreements there, but basically instead of just lining up and telling you guys, Hey, here are the best, you know, top 10 uh, ranked players and PFS projections for total targets. I wanted to go a step further and try to see who are the guys projected for a ton of targets and also aren't in an offense with someone else. That's necessarily going to be seeing a ton of, uh, you know, targets themselves because we do have more and more offenses these days, Tyree kill and Travis Kelsey, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, uh, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. Like a lot of teams have, you know, they're basically Batman and Batman. That was a good quote. My buddy, uh, Andrew Erickson, you can find on the Wednesday edition of this podcast every week noted about AJ Brown, Julio Jones. So situations and offenses like those, Hey, we could still see two guys get over 150 targets potentially, but we just don't have the same sort of ridiculous floor afforded to a team's undisputed number one pass game option. So with that in mind, I took our PFF fancy projections. I looked at target share, just players projected targets divided by their team's total uh, pass game opportunities. I looked at who has a target share of at least 20%. That's telling us that, okay, you know, if we're getting 500 total pass attempts in this offense, this guy's going to have at least over hundred targets. If we can get the six, 700 range. We're talking about a guy that is now pushing for, you know, 130, 140 targets, if not more. And the second part of this question is key. The number two option in their passing game has to have 
a target share under 5% or with 5% less than the guy that is number one. So with that in mind, we have 12 qualified pass game options and several of these guys aren't going to surprise you. But with that said, I'll list these guys. And again, I'm ranking them by the percentage difference between them and their number two pass game options. So number one, Devonte Adams, no doubt about it. 28% projected target share, 15% above Alan Lazard. Only two guys had at least 10% over their number two pass game option. Number two, Arizona Cardinals wide receiver, Deandre Hopkins, 28% target share like Adams, 13% ahead of Christian Kirk. Number three, another guy that we've just seen rack up 150 targets with regularity over the years, Chicago bears wide receiver, Allen Robinson, 24 and a half, uh, percent target share 8.5 percent above darno mooney more and more help is being afforded to robinson montgomery mooney all these guys with news that Tariq cohen his recovery from the acl tear is not going quite as smooth as some anticipated number four new orleans saints wide receiver michael thomas 24 percent target share eight percent above alvin kamara when the pff uh, fine social media folks came out with just four wide receivers that i'm way far ahead of consensus on Michael Thomas joined Deontay, De Deontay Johnson, uh, Devontae Smith. And there's one more. Yeah. Odell Beckham as my top four wide receivers in that rate. And again, just about that volume, because for him to really have a real opportunity to have a target total starting with the two by the end of the season, I still think it's going a little bit uh, overlooked wide receiver 10 consensus, Michael Thomas. He is my wide receiver six. Number five is actually not a wide receiver. He should call himself a wide receiver so he can make more money. But it's Las Vegas Raiders tight end Darren Waller, 24% target share, 8% above John Brown, who we have projected for the second most. It's anyone's guess in Oakland. And I think, you know, if you look closer at the numbers, it's not necessarily stating that John Brown is the overwhelming favorite to be the wide receiver one. But between him, Henry Ruggs, Brian Edwards, we got to see what's what I, you know, gun to my head. I do think Edwards is the best value of the group, but John Brown, you know, if he's healthiest, particularly, it wouldn't be the craziest thing to see him actually replace Nelson Aguilar as a number one wide receiver in this offense. Uh, number six, we have Atlanta Falcons wide receiver, Calvin Ridley, 25% target share, seven and a half percentage points above Kyle Pitts. Yeah. Ridley top five wide receiver in fantasy land. We get that. He is my wide receiver five. Number seven, we have Washington football team wide receiver, Terry McLaurin with 23% target share, seven percent above logan thomas curtis samuel's gonna get his you know we got Diamond brown adam humphreys and all that but terry mclaurin people like this his upside is just out of this world uh in terms of what he could do with ryan fitzpatrick under center i've thrown this stat around a few times on the podcast but the times we have seen fitzpatrick just get a legit chance to play under center his wide receiver ones have benefited more than just about anyone overall we've had eight seasons where fitzpatrick has started at least 10 games his number one wide receiver has posted target totals of 128, 128, 134, 137, 141, 146, 148, even 173 to old man Brandon Marshall in one of those Jets years. So if Terry McLaurin gets 130 plus targets, look out because, you know, with what he's shown already with bad quarterbacks under center, you know, volume meeting and an improvement upgrade at quarterback, look out people. Now for our final five, uh, we, we, got, we got a couple more layouts, but this is our kind of big, biggest takeaway here is Brandon Cooks, Houston Texans, wide receiver one, 21% target share, 6% projected above Randall Cobb. Now here's the thing with Brandon Cooks. I think we've, uh, we've talked about on one of these podcasts already, but he has had basically the inverse of Allen Robinson, Andre Johnson, even Terry McLaurin's uh, early career in terms of quarterbacks. He's gotten to play with Drew Brees, 
Tom Brady, the 2018 version of Jared Goff, and Deshaun Watson. Unfortunately, the 2019 version of Jared Goff was the only time we've seen him really falter in recent years. I mean, he's ripped off PPR wide receiver 14, wide receiver 10, wide receiver 15, wide receiver 13, wide receiver 17, and unfortunately, wide receiver 61 finishes since 2015. So one of the big knocks on Cooks is he's, he almost carries this like injury-prone idea around him because he has, you know, had a scary concussion history. With that said, people he has appeared in 15 games for all but two of his seven career seasons and it's just one of these things where yeah it'd be scary if coach got a concussion but anyone could get a concussion it'd be scary seems like it's counting you know counted more against him than other guys perhaps unnecessarily so but generally people i mean cooks is going off the board uh, with an adp as a wide receiver 45 right now i mean i'm not saying you need to go draft him in the top 20 but in that spot in the seventh or eighth round of these drafts i mean particularly i think as we continue to see the running back value open up more and more uh, in the middle rounds. If you find yourself in round eight, you know, you've already taken, we'll say one quarterback, three running backs, three wide receivers. Like you could do a hell of a lot worse than Brandon Cooks as your wide receiver three or four, hell, even five by that point in the, in the draft. So I think Brandon Cooks is a perfect example of a player we can by closer to his floor than his ceiling. I know the quarterback situation is not looking good, but we also don't know how long Deshaun Watson is going to be gone. I mean, it's not necessarily a given that this dude's going to miss all 16 games. And even if he is gone for a good portion of the season, I mean, Tyrod Taylor isn't exactly incompetent at feeding someone the ball. I know it's not the best case scenario, but when you combine, you know, whether it's Tyrod Taylor, Davis Mills, even Jeff Driscoll, we at least have quarterbacks that seemingly can put up some level of yards in one of the most empty offenses in the league in terms of actual target competition. So Brandon cooks is someone where like, yeah, it's risky to rank him as the wide receiver two. He's always been because of this. And no, I wouldn't recommend drafting him as a wide receiver two. You don't have to, you can take the guy as a low end wide receiver three. Dude's going to beat his ADP for what seems like the 90th time in the last 91 seasons at number nine on this list. We got Buffalo bills, wide receiver, Stefan Diggs, 24% target share, 6% above Colby. Easily. No, you know, I don't think there's any disagreements here. Stefan Diggs consensus top five receiver. Uh, we got the LA chargers, Keenan Allen, 22% target share, five and a half percentage points above Mike Williams. I mean, Keenan, he's right there with Deontay Johnson where his target total was already impressive enough last year. But if you go in, you take out that saints game where he got hurt he caught a touchdown early on, but he only played like 16 snaps or something. And I believe his last game of the year, he had another game where it was out. So that's the one thing, you know, with these, I agree, like per game stats in general are better than season long fantasy finishes. Cause we just see, you know, guys with excess volume really rise to the top, but not necessarily be as productive as their final finish might indicate. With that said, though, I think looking at, you know, Keenan having those examples, the Baker Mayfield uh, weather games, looking at, uh, you know, the Kendall Hinton game and what that did to all the Denver Broncos pass game options. There's no perfect one-all, be-all statistic in fantasy football and really any sort of sport. So that's why we need to do our best to adjust these, look at each situation with its, with its own lens and move on. So, you know, Keenan really has a chance. I mean, if he, he has wide receiver one overall, uh, you know, upside in his range of outcomes, if we can get 16 or excuse me, 17 healthy games out of him with the same Justin Herbert that we saw, maybe not tear up the league, but look pretty damn good against it in 2020 last two are actually going to be tight ends. And again, people, the criteria, at least 20% target share and at least 5% target share above their team's number two pass game option. We have Detroit lions tight end TJ Hawkinson with a 20% target share, five and a half percentage of points above Tyrell Williams. 
Williams, and also Mark Andrews from the Ravens, 22% target share, 5% above Marquise Brown. So with Andrews, you know, he, I think last year disappointed me because I know Lamar's regression as a passer didn't help Andrews, but we did not see Andrews, in my opinion, look like the same guy. And the main part of that was the yak ability. I mean, he looked like not necessarily Kittle uh, as a rookie and sophomore, but he made really good things happen with the ball in his hands after the catch. I mean, in 2018, he averaged 5.8 yards after the catch per reception. 2019, 4.5. Last year, shrunk all the way at 3.2, even though we didn't see like any sort of a major difference in average target depth. So, hey, guy scored 17 times over the past two years. I'm a big fan of rewarding guys more for touchdowns uh, than yards. You you know need points to win games after all. But it was still you know career low margin yards per catch, yards per target. I think Andrews could benefit from having Bateman, having other guys to help open up the middle of the field for him. With that said, I'd be more excited about, you know, his status on this list. If it wasn't for multiple new people with Bateman and Watkins, and also just his status as still being maybe the number one pass game option in the league's single most run heavy offense. So Mark Andrews, you know, going where he is, I don't think anyone disagrees with it. I just haven't gotten many shares of him so far as, you know, the tight end five that he's going as over at under, dog fantasy because you know I'm, I'm taking baller wide receivers or running backs in that range i don't think the difference between andrews and you know some of the lowered end tight end ones is as huge as the high end tight end ones and mark andrews so that middle range of tight ends for a second straight year i will largely be fading with the possible exception of one tj hawkinson i mean this dude just had one of the better years i think that's flown under the radar at the position in recent memory he finished last year as the overall ppr tight end five but he missed a tight end three finish by an entire 1.4 PPR points. So, you know, we're talking about a five yard catch, extra five yard catch away from being the tight end three. And I know we can make that argument about a lot of guys just realize Hawkinson had himself a very good season last year. So even with Jared Goff under center, like you can stay, say, okay, he's worth the Matt worse than Matthew Stafford. Maybe we'll see the efficiency decline a little bit, but finally we can see Hawkinson get the sort of target total he deserves with Galladay, with Marvin Jones, with Danny Amendola all out of the picture. And perhaps, you know, maybe see some extra scores because there's not those guys to throw to. And maybe just maybe we don't get the worst version of Jared Goff. I mean, it seems like for as much credit as we're giving Sam Darnold, Carson Wentz of, you know, turning their careers around, potentially Goff gets no respect with what he could maybe do in Detroit. I get the reasons why, you know, he's not playing under Sean McVay. He's not playing under Joe Brady and the past game weapons and O-line alike are significantly worse in Detroit uh, compared to LA and Carolina, but at a minimum people, could we at least maybe live in a world where Jared Goff enables Hawkinson to a big year? Because those last five games of 2019 Goff sure made Tyler Higby look like a damn superstar. And out of all the knocks we have on Jared Goff, you know, can he, can he operate off script? Not really. Is he someone that, you know, has just been horrendous at times? Absolutely. For as much grief as we give him, I mean, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, Brandon Cooks for at least one year, Tyler Higby and Gerald Everett when they've actually not been canceling each other out. Goff has consistently, you know, enabled many a uh, relevant pass game option. That's why Tyrell Williams and, you know, uh, Brashad Perryman and even Amon Ross St. Brown are getting some love in, you know, deeper fantasy circles. And it's why TJ Hawkinson is my tight end four, even though he's going as, you know, PFS consensus tight end five underdog uh, tight end six. Like we have a guy with higher draft capital as a position than just about anybody other than Kyle Pitts. He's proven the ability literally last year to be a top five player at the position and 
And now we're seeing that guy get more targets than we ever even thought we're going to be on the table for this. So TJ Hawkinson and Brandon cooks are my two big takeaways from the study as guys that are underpriced relative to their potential ceiling. We could see uh, with these targets like Hawkinson has the talent and the volume to crack the top three. And it really shouldn't surprise us. I'm not saying he should be ranked ahead of Kittle Waller or Kelsey, but it wouldn't be this crazy thing that happens if he finishes the season like that. Like you can't tell me that that's just impossible. I could definitely see it happening. And when you just want to play the game of who's going to lead the tight end position and targets, even though I think Waller, who was on this list, will lead the way. Kelsey's going to be there. Hawkinson also has a chance to you know knock on that door of leading the entire way. So people, Brandon Cooks, uh, TJ Hawkinson, both guys I think are more than worthy of uh, investment in fantasy leagues of all shapes and sizes. That's going to do it. Thank you, as always, for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. New episodes every single day throughout the summer. Just finished moving on Friday, everybody. So I'm going to be in this, uh, you know, basement setup, living in the mom's basement for a week or two before I uh, get through and get fully moved up to Cincy. Uh, but it's a good time. It's all good. You know, get the home-cooked meals and everything going on there. But yeah, yesterday, my goodness, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m., got the U-Haul, packed that thing up, got in. I will say I got so lucky. This was the easiest move of my life because I have a first-floor uh, first apartment, and the balcony, like or patio, whatever the hell you want to call it, looked out like directly to where the street is, and I was able to literally just take all my boxes, take about 12 steps, put them on my balcony, later go in the apartment, and then bring them right inside. So took a nice W there. Very tired, though. Legs hurt. And with that said, please go get Brandon Cooks and TJ Hawkinson. So I'm Ian Harditz. Thank you all for listening. Until next time, take care, everybody. 